Hey there, everyone. Thank you for welcoming me to wherever you are today. Before we dive into the Word, I just want to remind you guys of some things that we have going on. Again, our tithe and our offering, all of our giving. Uh, we have changed platforms, so that'll be in the chat, the link in the chat. And so we encourage you to be a part of that, man, just in your first fruit and giving to the Lord. It's one of those things we we invest our time and, and our talent in the kingdom of God, but also... Uh, and. I don't really love the the treasure word, but uh, our provision, those things that we have, and and um, we invest those things in the kingdom of God. We give to the Lord, uh, not necessarily to a church or a person, but we we give to the Lord. We release it to the Lord, and I'm always reminded of the Macedonians, and I know that people probably get tired of me talking about them, but there's a reason why Paul put a spotlight on them, because they didn't just give money at first. They gave themselves to the Lord, and then they became known as this amazing, generous people that were giving to the kingdom of God, and so I want to be like that. I, I, I aspire to be known for that, and I'm not quite there, but but I aspire to be known for investing my time and my talent and what God has blessed me with, investing that back into the kingdom of God. So I want to encourage you in your tithe and offering, and then also we are in the midst of uh, Ukraine and Moldova relief. We are doing uh, winter uh, coats, blankets, all those things, personal items, all of that for those in war-torn Ukraine and then those who are migrating to Moldova. And so we've partnered with the Orphan's Hands. So if you give to that, we're taking stuff at drop-off locations, but uh, if, you can, if you're not in this area, you can give to it. You can give. You can go to our uh, website, thpshreveport.com, click on the Giving tab, then just put it THP Compassion Ukraine Moldova Relief, and that will go straight to purchasing items that we're going to be shipping uh, off before. Uh, we'll ship it out so that it gets there before uh, the weather gets too bad there. And then also this weekend on campus, we have missionary Mike Bailey is going to be here and he is uh, leading a prayer meeting, is also speaking. And so if you desire to invest, uh, we're going to give them an honorarium and bless them. We want them to leave blessed. Then you can mark that uh, in your online giving as well just the Baileys or Mike Bailey, and it will get to them. Okay, let's go to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew 16, and we are kind of bridging the gap, not a gap, but we're making a transition from Jesus' church into what we are calling Jesus the King coming soon. So uh, in this last part of 2022, we're going to be talking about the return of Jesus. We're going to be talking about being prepared. What are those things? How do we prepare our hearts? What do we look for? You know, what, what do we do? What did the Lord say about his coming? All those different things. We're going to dive into that Jesus, the King coming soon. And as we make that transition, we want to not go back, but we want to kind of refresh and say, okay, what have we learned about being the church? Like, what have we learned about being the church? That the church isn't a building necessarily. What does it really mean to be Jesus' church? What does it mean to be his church? And so today we want to just dive straight in. Matthew chapter 16 and verse 13 says, When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said to him, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Now we may read this today and go, oh man, this is a given, but no, it's like even to this day, there's still questions. People try to question 
whether or not Jesus was indeed the Son of God. You can hear it even from the progressive side of what's called progressive Christianity, but that's a that's a really messy terminology there. But there's even a thought process, hey, Jesus wasn't really the Son of God, and also, hey, he was a great prophet, he was a great teacher. We still hear that today, all these thousands of years later. So this is nothing, it's, it's nothing new even today. But he says, you know, they answered him, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah, one of the prophets. So they're saying that's what these people say. But he says to them, but who do you say that I am? And here's what I love about Jesus is that when, even when he was speaking to the crowds, it came right down to the individual. He's speaking to the crowds, but yet it came down to an individual decision, not a crowd decision. Jesus loved the crowds and he had compassion on the crowds, but discipleship didn't happen in crowds. He didn't have uh, 787 personal disciples. He had 12. And then in that 12, it pared down to like three got to, got to see things and experience things that the others didn't because there was a different level of, of personal relationship. We shouldn't feel bad about layers of relationship. Listen, we have things, we have people in our lives that we may call friends that maybe really, if we were to really get down to the definition, they're more like acquaintances. There's a certain level of access that, that we have in their life and they have in our life. And that's cool. That's great. That's beautiful. Because in all manner of speaking, there's no way that you can have 20 really best friends. It's just not possible. And it's not really the way that we were wired anyway. It means that we're wired for relationships, but those relationships can have different layers. My relationship with Tanya is going to be totally different than my relationship with everybody else. Why? Because it's the nature of the relationship. We were friends first, and that deepened, and then it became uh, a, a true love. And in that true love, it became covenant of marriage. That's going to be tighter than any other personal relationship I have on this earth. And that's okay. That's great. And the next layer of people, are gonna, I'm going to have certain access. They're going to have certain access. So Jesus brings it down to going, I don't, I'm not, I don't really care what everybody else is saying. Who do you say that I am? And then Peter answers and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. That's a key answer. Jesus answers and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. Hey, you're not saying this just because somebody told you to. This is something that you know in the spirit is the correct. This is truth that I am the son of the living God. The, the spirit of God has revealed this to you. And also I say to you that you are Peter and on this rock, and when he says on this rock, we know that he's not talking about Peter or Petros, but he's talking about the revelation that he is the son of God. On this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And so we have talked about in Jesus' church, we have laid this as a, a foundational scripture in, in its context of, of being the church. And one of the things that we talked about is the foundation. And here's, here's some takeaways that, that we have learned in the foundation, which is Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. The rock, the Petra, the bedrock of the church is Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God. That is the foundation of our faith, that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God. We also uh, take away from this that Jesus is building his church. Man is not. Man, we even hear this today. Man, we're building this and we're building this and we're building this. Listen, we're not building anything. We may be building a building, but we're not really building the church. Jesus is building the church. Man is not building the church. If man is building it, it's an organization. It's not the church of Jesus. It may even be the church of man. 
It may even be the, the, the ministry of man or a man or a team. But Jesus is building his church, the true church. Jesus is building it. Man is not. And the church belongs to Jesus. We, we say, hey, man, this is my church. And I get where we're saying that. But we are the church. And one of the greatest takeaways that we can take away from like the foundation, the foundation is this. Each of us must answer the question that Jesus asked the disciples. Who do you say that I am? Listen, today in this message, I'm talking to whoever's going to be watching this, whoever's going to be listening to this. But in all of that, we're all being asked the same question by the Lord. And that is, who do you say that I am? You. Not your family, not anybody else. Who do you say that I am personally? And then we then, as living stones, just like Peter was a living stone, Petros, we then live for Christ. We are, live, we are on Christ, and we are living in Christ, and we are in him, and he is in us, and man, it blows our minds, and it should. So many people try to figure out the, the creator of the heavens and earth and feel like they got to have everything figured out. And then that means that, man, they're a good Christian. To me, I think that is false. I think it's intellectualism. I think it's, uh, I think it's uh, more of, uh, of, of um, uh, humanness, our humanness trying to figure everything out. Listen, God created the heavens and the earth. His thoughts are above our thoughts. His ways are beyond our ways. There are going to be things in this life that we are never going to figure out. There are still going to be mysteries of the kingdom. But one day when we see him as he is and we are seen as we are, we will know all of those things. We won't have any uh, awe and wonder. We won't have any questions anymore. We won't need gifts. We won't need this. We won't need this because we will know all those things. If there's no wonder, if there's no mysteries, then I would question whether it was the Lord or not. Because if we can just figure it all out, then couldn't we just do it on our own? And that's what the the flesh wants us to believe. We can just do it on our own. I'm strong enough, I'm good enough, and doggone it, I'm going to make it. Well, guess what? You can't. You can't just make it on your own. Why? Because we didn't create ourselves in our own image. We were created in the image of God. We were created in the image of a creator who loves us and who saw the brokenness of what he had created because of our own sin. And when he saw that brokenness, he gave the very best of himself, the very first of himself to all of humanity to cover all of that sinfulness. And he gave the ultimate sacrifice so that we could all look upon the cross and we could look upon the resurrection and we could come to the cross with all of our sin and atonement was there for us. Redemption was there for us. New life was there for us through the resurrection. And that is what I am taking away from this, that my foundation is not me. It's not a a, a church name. It's not a denomination. It's not even a belief system. It is Jesus Christ, the son of the living God. It's not a belief system. It's a person. Jesus, the son of the living God. And then we talked about the power. Listen, Jesus' church, it, it has to be a powerful church. Why? Because Jesus is building his church. And if Jesus is building his church, it has to be powerful. And what is that power? The Holy Spirit is the power. 
We need the power of the Holy Spirit to carry out the ministry of Jesus on the earth. Listen, it still astounds me to this day that people will say, oh yeah, I believe in the Holy Spirit, but they don't believe in power. How can you believe in the Holy Spirit and not believe in power? The word of God, New Testament, all the way through Revelation, talks about the Spirit and power. How can you not believe in the power of the Holy Spirit? Well, a miracle may happen just every once in a while. No, 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 I know the power of the Holy Spirit because that is where Scott ends and the Spirit of God begins. It's when I can't do it on my own. I don't have the right words. Listen, I'm, I'm walking with some things right now through some families that are hard, difficult, and there are no words that I have to speak that's going to make it okay. I don't need anemic Scott. I need the power of the Holy Spirit to help me to be present. And even if I don't say anything, that his power is present. And that power brings comfort to people to know that there is a God who is beyond their scope. There is a God beyond, beyond diagnoses. There's a God who's beyond the knowledge of a doctor or a nurse. And there is a God who cares. And there is a God who answers prayer. There is a God who answers by fire. There is a God who answers by power and by might. And if it's, if it's at night, there is fire that'll lead your way. There's a light by night. And in the daytime, there's a cloud by day that will lead us and guide us. The Holy Spirit, a comforter, a guide, a counselor, that when we don't know what to do, the Holy Spirit will lead us in what to do. Is it always a booming voice? No, very rarely. Is it always a whisper? No. Sometimes it's just a sense. It's a, it's a feeling, not your own feeling, because our feelings are are. are disingenuous. They will take us down the wrong path. But as we sense the Holy Spirit leading us in a certain way, sometimes it's simply just taking a step. And it's like, wow, like that was the Lord. Well, how did that happen? It was the Holy Spirit. Listen, the Holy Spirit. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit continuously, not just one moment at salvation. Hey, I prayed a prayer. Now I'm indwelt with the Holy Spirit. And my question would be, well, does your life show it? Is there power? Hey, I'm a naturally a joyful person. Well, that's great. If you're naturally joyful, is that fruit of the Holy Spirit? If you're naturally a cordial person, is that evidence of the fruit of the Holy Spirit? Because there's more than just one characteristic of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. You know, we get all these things mixed into our humanity and mixed into man, and then all of a sudden we begin to, to, to build things on ourselves rather than on Jesus. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit continuously. Indwelt, yes. How do we know we're saved? The Spirit of God. Our spirit bears witness with his spirit that we are children of God. This is now which we cry out, Abba, Father. Yes. But guess what? All throughout the New Testament, it's not just indwelling, but it's infilling. Be filled continuously being filled. Listen, that's fantastic if you're filled every single moment of every single day because you prayed one prayer 20 years ago. But I would say, I don't think that's true according to the word of God because things happen and situations happen and we need to continuously be filled with the Holy Spirit. We need to continually access what God has put in us and who God has put in us. Acts 2.42, because in Jesus' church, the power of the Holy Spirit is poured out upon us as a church. But then what happens? Well, Acts 2.42, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and the breaking of bread and in prayers. 
So then we, we have taken a dive into the apostles' doctrine, teaching. You know, what's our takeaways from that? Listen, we must read the word of God daily. Listen, that's not a condemning statement to you. That should be freeing to you. People are like, oh, man, people tell me I ought to read the word of God. Man, why don't they just get out of my business? I don't have to read the word of God every day. You do need to read the word of God every single day. Because when you read the word of God, the word of God tells you that you need the word of God daily. Not Scott, not some other preacher. The word of God tells us that we need the word in us daily. Every single day we need to armor up. We need to put on the whole armor of God. Teaching is a gift from Jesus to the church to equip us so that we can go out and we can make his name known on the earth. Why is teaching this gift so important? Because it helps the whole entire body mature and grow and to become more like Jesus. But listen to this. When we talk about teaching, here's an amazing takeaway. Knowledge of the things of God is important, but we also need understanding. Just knowing something doesn't mean that we understand it. To me, understanding is almost the application of the knowing. We have a, a vision here. Be who God created you to be. Know what God is saying, but that's not where it ends. Do what God says. You know it, you understand it, now I can do it. And then we kind of took this dive into an amazing principle in the word of God that I believe has been misapplied and distorted, and that is fellowship. You know, we talked about the Greek word kononia, right? Two primary ideas here, to have a share in and to give a share to. So what does that mean? That means that it's both benefit and responsibility. We live in a culture that only wants benefit but no responsibility. We can see this everywhere. Benefit, how does it benefit me? But I don't want any responsibility for it. Well, that's not the way that biblical fellowship works. That's not the way that, that being the church works. It's both benefit and we have a responsibility. We receive from the body, then that helps us mature and grow. But we also give to the body that helps everybody else mature and grow. That's true fellowship. Listen, we should be committed to true biblical fellowship to Jesus and to one another. Hey, it's just me and Jesus, man. We're all good. It's just me and Jesus. I would just say read the word. Nobody's really saying that in the New Testament. Jesus is more than enough in salvation and in all the things we need in our daily life in functioning and living for the Lord. But the Lord is clear with one another in the New Testament. One another is there a lot. Why? Because God created us to be in fellowship, to be in relationship. Listen, when we come together, we should focus on Jesus while making space for his gifts to function so we all grow together. Man, and then, then we just dealt, we, we took a dive into this breaking of bread, the breaking of bread. What a beautiful expression of God's goodness to us, the breaking of bread. Jesus started it in a house. Listen, that's gonna be one of my greatest takeaways from, from the breaking of bread is Jesus started it in a house, not in a temple, but in a house. And it was an expression of the Passover. And going all the way back to Exodus 
and how now, okay, we're going to do a feast and it's, we're going to celebrate and we're going to remember this moment. We're going to remember how God saved us and how God delivered us from the enemy and how, you know, how putting the blood over the doorpost, how the death angel passed over us, passed over, and how Jesus was gathering his disciples to celebrate Passover. But in that celebration of Passover, there's always a meal and Jesus takes that as an opportunity to say, hey, now there's going to be a new covenant. And he breaks the bread and he talks about how the bread was his body and how the cup represents his blood. And he starts it in a house. And then the early church just passes it on. They go house to house to house to house. We should share meals together regularly in fellowship, absolutely. But we should also share in the breaking of bread regularly together. Not just in a church service or gathering, but from house to house. Well, why do you say that, Scott? Because Jesus did it from a house, and then they did it from house to house. We should, we should follow the model of Jesus, and it should be a consistent part of our walk with Jesus, both personally and together as the body of Christ, where we personally receive communion, and then we do communion together as the body of Christ. And then, you know, last week we talked about the prayers. Man, just phenomenal, various kinds of prayers, not just a prayer or the prayer, but prayers. There are various types of prayer. Listen, prayer is not simply a posture of the mind. One of my greatest takeaways is, listen, throughout the word of God, prayer is speaking to God. Life and death, according to Proverbs 18, are not in the power of the mind, but the power of the tongue. God knows our thoughts, but he answers our prayers. God wants us to verbalize. He wants us to declare these things. Not just any words, but praying according to his will. And prayer is a necessity for our daily life. Again, Scott, you keep saying daily, daily, daily. Listen, we're enlightened, man. We don't need all that. We need it all. We need the word of God every single day. We need to pray every single day. Why? Because Jesus is important. He's the foundation. He's the centerpiece of our life, or he should be. And if that's the case, we need to spend time understanding him and knowing him so we know ourselves in him. And we need to spend time every single day communicating with him, talking with him, just like I do my wife. We say, well, Scott, that's a marriage. Listen, we are a part of a marriage too. We are a body. We are a bride. And guess who the bridegroom is? It is Jesus we said yes to Jesus, we said yes to an eternal marriage that we need to be faithful to, that we need to grow, and we need to mature in that relationship. And I know that's hard for us to, to, to get that in our minds, especially as men. We're like, man, we're in marriage with Jesus. That's what it is. He, span, he goes beyond all that stuff. Because this right here, although this is what the world sees, he sees inside. He sees the true us that was created in his own image. Prayer is meant to be relational. Like when you pray together, if you should agree touching any one thing with others, not just by ourselves, with others. And listen, as we, as we kind of land this thing, you say, Scott, it just seems like we're doing a review. No, this is like takeaways. This is like what we need to take away. 
Listen, here's what I prayed before we even started this. Lord, let this seed not just go out and fall on some hard soil and dry up and die. Don't let this seed be thrown out on ground and then choked out by the thorns of this world, by the cares of this world. That Lord, this seed, when it goes out, it would take root. How many sermons have we heard and we haven't done anything with them? You think the Lord loves that? You think the Lord loves it? When we hear the word and we don't do it. No. He hates it. Well, the Lord doesn't hate. You need to check out some scripture, y'all. These things the Lord hates. It's there. There's a list. There is a list. He hates. And listen. Because time has gone on, God has not changed. God's not up in heaven now wearing some pumas and a Tommy Hill figure because he's current in the culture. He is the God that spans all time and space. He's as relevant today as he was from the beginning because he's God. He doesn't change. We're the ones that change and try to keep up with the times and keep up with other people and try to keep up appearances and everything else. We got to have the latest this and the latest this. That's not God. That's us. He doesn't change. So when we talk about being his church, this isn't about a review. This is about getting this deep, deep down inside of us so it's not a one-off, we forget it, we've already moved on to something. Man, sometimes we will watch one of these or we'll be in a gathering and we're talking about fellowship and we come back the next week and we're talking about the breaking of bread and I ask somebody, hey, what did we talk about last week? And they're like, uh, I'm not sure. Hey, did you get a guide this week? Oh, no, I'm, I, I don't know how I missed that. Well, I don't either because there was somebody at the door. There was somebody at the sanctuary door. It was on Facebook. It was on the website. It was put on multiple posts during the week. I'm not sure how you may have missed where that guide was. This is where the responsibility of being a part of the body is. It's not just benefit, it's responsibility. We have to own our own personal relationship with Jesus. We can't blame anybody else. We can't blame anything else. It is us and Jesus. We own that. And let me tell you something, when you own it, this isn't even in my notes, but when you own it, guess what's coming to your life? Not condemnation, freedom. When you own it, and go, Lord, I'm looking at everybody else, blaming everybody else, but it's me, Lord. Woe is me. Woe is me, because I have unclean lips. I have unclean thoughts. I have an impure heart. Lord, woe is me. Forgive me, Lord. And boom, forgiveness comes, freedom comes. And you know what the next words out of your mouth are gonna be? They aren't gonna be, man, here's what happened yesterday. Hey, I felt this way the other day. No, it's gonna be, here am I, send me now, Lord, I'm ready. We talk about the church of Jesus. Jesus is not building a building. A building is a meeting place for the church. The building isn't the church. The building is a meeting for the church. Jesus is building a people filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. We are the church. We need to be the church. Jesus has given us gifts to equip us to make his name known on the earth. Use them and do it. And those same gifts are meant to be used to help the whole body grow and mature and become more like Jesus. And you know the only way that you can do that is by being with the body. 
Man, this week, we just a simple food fellowship and prayer afterwards. And I know some people were like, man, how do we make that transition? We're all eating chicken spaghetti and we're all having a good time and we're all talking about our lives and we're all doing this. And all of a sudden, pastor goes, hey, let's transition to the sanctuary. Man, that's awkward. Are we gonna have three songs, four songs? Are we gonna, man, there's a certain way we gotta do it. No, you know what we did? We brought everybody to the front. Everybody sat down. I said, boom, we have two specific needs. We need two miracles in the house tonight. Somebody stand in for this person. Somebody stand in for this person. And we did didn't have to pull teeth or anything. Man, people just came forward, got around those people, and guess who did not pray over the mic? Me. Somebody else was praying over the mic. And then I said, okay, do we have any other needs? Hey, I need healing in my body tonight. Boom, come on down. Guess who prayed over the mic? Not me. Hey, is there anything else? Man, people were just coming up. Hey, do you feel like the Lord's put anything in your heart? Somebody comes up, yes, the Lord put something in my heart just right now. Can we pray for this? Boom, we pray for that. Were the kids going insane and nuts and crazy? No. As a matter of fact, some of the kids were walking forward, not cued by mom and dad, but were walking forward, laying their hands on people and praying for them. Just a simple night of fellowship with food and prayer. And it was truly biblical fellowship. The definition of biblical fellowship happened on our campus. We didn't have to complicate it. We didn't have to make it strange. We didn't have to give excuses for it. We need to stop apologizing to the world for being the church. I'm not gonna apologize for talking about Jesus. I'm not gonna apologize for speaking about the blood because that is what people need for salvation. I'm not gonna stop talking about the cross and the resurrection. That's what people need for salvation. That's what they need for sanctification. That's what they need for new life. I'm not gonna stop talking about the ascension of Jesus at the right hand of the Father. How can you believe that, Scott? That's like a fairy tale. I believe my spirit bears witness with the spirit of God that I am a child of God and as a child of God, I'm gonna walk in these truths. Not concepts, but truths. Not thoughts, but truths. I'm gonna walk in those truths and I'm not going to apologize for that because that is the need for the world. I'm not gonna diminish and not talk about the Holy Spirit. Are you kidding me? People need the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. I was just watching a video of a, of, of a minister who was a minister in a denomination and, and there was like a thousand young people in the room and he's praying for all these kids and all of a sudden these kids had, they had given themselves to demonic influences and all of a sudden like demonic stuff starts manifesting, which was not really the, the vibe in this denomination. And as this pastor's praying for these kids, all of a sudden he starts praying in words that he never had heard before and he was praying in tongues. And people heard it. And when they heard it over the speakers, it was like everything stopped. And even his wife on the ride home was like, hey, we're this denomination. We can't do that. Is that what just happened? And he was like, sweetheart, I can't. And then all night long, the Lord moves in him and he weeps all night long. And he prays in the spirit all night long. And he was actually the dean of a prestigious university of this denomination. And God begins to move. And he did a public interview where he said that he prayed in the spirit in private and two days later he was fired. But what he was told by somebody before that happened was, hey, I really do believe that this is an encounter you've had with the Lord and what you're experiencing. But if you go public with this, you will lose all the clout and all your speaking engagements in this denomination. Please don't do it. Listen, 
If the world is telling you not to do something that the word of God is telling you to do, it's a lie from hell. It is the enemy. It's not God. I can't believe that there are ministers on platforms every single week who believe things about the word of God that will not say it publicly because of what may happen to them. I can't fathom that. I know ministers who have been filled with the Holy Spirit who pray in the Spirit in private but will never say it publicly because of what may happen to them. That is a man-made form of religion. That is not built on the solid rock, the foundation of Jesus. Some people will say, well, that's not, a, that's not a deal breaker for salvation. There's a lot of things that are not deal breakers for salvation that are in the word of God that we preach every single day. And I know I'm going a little bit longer, but this just, this is from the Lord. Listen, Jesus has, has, has given us these amazing gifts. The Father has given us amazing gifts. Jesus has given us. The Holy Spirit flowing through our life manifests certain giftings, not to bring attention to us, but to point to Jesus and to help build his body. Listen, the gates of hell are not trying to prevail against Jesus. Not gonna happen. But Jesus did say the gates of hell would try to prevail against us. And he said, built on this foundation, they cannot. They cannot prevail against us. Gates are defensive, holding back captive, but the kingdom moves forward, taking back what's been held captive. We don't sit back in some defensive posture like the children of Israel. We stand up like David and we move forward. And we speak to the giants of the world and say, hey, I don't come to you in my name, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. Like your defensive posture, you're, 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 you're walking about like a roaring lion, speaking all these threats and all these things. No, you're not going to talk about the Lord like that. I'm going to stand up. I come to you in the name of the Lord. And we know how that all shook out. God brought a, an amazing victory. Why? Because the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God of the pulling down strongholds. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood against one another, but principalities and powers of the air. Like we wrestle, yes. What is wrestling? Praying. When we pray and intercede, man, there's a wrestling that happens. But all of a sudden, there's a lifting that comes. What is that? That doesn't necessarily mean we see the answer, but we know God has responded to our prayers. No weapon formed against us shall prosper in Christ. Built upon Christ. And I love this one, Romans. Man, I I read this all the time just as a reminder. And I read the whole thing. Nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Nothing. We are Jesus' church. In Christ, you are the church. You don't go to church, you are the church. You are a part of the church, not a building, but a people. You know, it says gather the church. It's not talking about gathering a bunch of buildings. It's talking about gathering people, the church, in a building, if it's in a building. Gather the church. Well, what does that mean, Scott? Is it small? Is it big? It's all of it. In the word, we see small, small groups. We see small groups. 
We see medium groups. We see medium large groups, large groups, extra large groups. We see three and 12 and 70 and 120 and 500 and 1,000 and two and three and four and 5,000 and up to 10,000. We see it all. But Jesus doesn't say, hey, just 5,000, that's only, hey, just three. No, he says all of it. I want you to be a part of all of it. If it's small, small, if it's small, if it's, there are times to be in a small group and then there are times to be in a larger gathering of the body. And that's the pattern that we follow. We have small groups. We have houses of prayer this week for a week of prayer. Some of those can be four people. Some can be eight, 12, 16. Then we have a bigger gathering here on campus where more people are gathered together. But even in then, we have smaller segments like people are praying and there's four people over here praying and there's a few people over here praying. Maybe there's more people praying here. So even in the midst of the large gathering, it gets small because that's the way God created us. So when we talk about Jesus' church, the main thing I want you to take away, and there's a lot of takeaways here, but the main thing I want you to take away is that you don't go to church, you are the church. It doesn't mean that we don't gather in a building. A lot of people are like, hey, I'm the church. I don't have to go to a building to be with other people. You need to read the book. You really do. Paul's letters were not just to one person isolated in some cave somewhere nor were the letters of Peter, nor James, nor John, nor even Jesus with John on the Isle of Patmos because Jesus, when he's appearing to John on the Isle of Patmos alone, Jesus is telling him about multitudes of people gathering. So even at the end, Jesus is still talking about the people gathering. Another lie of the enemy to isolate people and get them on an island. Because the moment you think isolation is for you is the moment that the enemy has a foothold to get into your life. The moment he makes you feel like you're all alone is the moment that anxiety, fear, depression, doubt, all of those things come rushing in. They don't come tiptoeing in. The moment you isolate, they come, the enemy, when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard. It takes increments to get there, but man, there comes a point where the floodgates open and it's an all-out assault against you. But Jesus said it. He said, on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Listen, if you're not a part of the body of Christ, man, maybe you're on the outskirts, maybe you are one of those. It's like, man, I don't really need the body, but man, I really see that I need the body then you can just lean in right now to the Lord. Woe is me, Lord. It's me, Lord. Help me, my heart, my mind. Lord Jesus, I just lay down all those things before you. All my sin, all my offense, my bitterness, all those things, I lay it at your feet and I give it to you. And Lord, I want to be the church. I want to use the gifts you put inside of me to equip others, to help the whole body grow and mature as I receive gifts from others. And it matures and grows me. And Lord, I just thank you for the opportunity to be a part of something so much bigger than I am. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. We love you.